wonder-working stars in the precious... Incredible as they seem, are not the results of mass hysteria. <laughs> You may wish to adjust the dial. You are currently tuned into the wrong station. I think there's a rat in the kitchen. It was not a sentence I wanted to hear. Our apartment was always loud because the bar across the street was the worst and because the upstairs neighbors were crust punks, rebels against the concept of hygiene. It was always too hot because the Thai restaurant downstairs controlled the thermostat and incidentally did the food prep in the stairwell on the stairs. There were enough things wrong with the apartment, even if we didn't have a rat. But with prices what they become in this city, we couldn't afford to move. Are you sure? I said. No, she said. I just thought I saw something in the kitchen. It moved pretty fast. It could have been a mouse. A mouse was still a problem, but a friend of mine who ran properties had once told me that one mouse means one mouse, but one rat means you've got a whole colony in the rafters. The thought of them writhing through the walls while we slept, climbing over our food, crawling through the sheets of our beds while we slept. It made me want to be sick. I don't think so, she said. It was big. How big? Big. I saw it a few nights after that. I was sitting in the kitchen, and I heard what I thought was the cat coming down the hall. It wasn't the cat, but it wasn't much smaller either. For a moment... There was silence. It was just the two of us, me and the rat, alone in the apartment, staring at each other. Outside, the streetcars went past. Then I stood up and shouted, stamping my feet to get it to run. The rat didn't even flinch. It just stood there, looking at me, as though the idea that I might hurt it didn't even register. And as it turned out, the rat had things straight. What, what was I going to do? Kick it? Stomp on it? I was wearing socks and pajama pants. When I considered that, it occurred to me that the rat might lunge and bite my feet. Heart pounding, I skipped back and stood on a chair looking for something to throw. There was a bottle opener on the counter and I let it fly. It clanged off the wall behind the rat. The rat didn't look impressed for a fucking second. It just stood and stared. Then, slowly, dragging its limp, damp tail, it turned and lumbered down the hall. My roommate's room was in that direction. I didn't tell her when she got home. All I said was, I saw the rat. Maybe I'm not giving you enough to go on here. Maybe I should give you a better sense of what we're talking about. There's something called the Gambian Pouched Rat. You can Google it, but maybe don't. It's one of the many species of giant rats. It can grow up to three feet long. Picture that if you can stomach it. This was worse than that. 
The Gambian pouched rat is actually kind of cute. It has cheek pouches like a hamster, and you can train them to spot landmines. This, on the other hand, was a proper rat. Ratus norvegicus, the brown rat, the kind you worry about getting into cradles. One of those guys, only for some reason that I still don't know the answer to, it was just too fucking big. The rat's fur was matted against its body in greasy chunks that looked like scales. Its fangs were orange and bigger than my fingernails. This rat was so big, you'd almost wish it was bigger. If it was just a little bigger, you could call the police or round up a posse. Our rat was just small enough that it was our problem, but just big enough that I wished I kept a gun in the house. That evening, my roommate and I went through our options. We didn't want to go to the landlord because Janet didn't care whether we lived or died, except maybe for a slight preference in favor of died. We figured, at best, she'd take this as an excuse to renovict us, and at worst, that she'd start arming the rat like she was the US government and it was 1980s Bin Laden. We didn't want to put down poison either. We were worried that the cat might eat it. We didn't want to rely on the cat to take care of the rat because he's an indoor cat and he's getting old. And to be perfectly honest, he's a little bitch. And we didn't want to buy glue traps because my roommate said they were unethical and I said we wouldn't be able to find ones that were big enough. In the end, we opted for the plastic traps shaped like jaws. We blew through half the monthly entertainment budget and loaded a bunch of them up with peanut butter. We shook hands before going to bed, proud of ourselves for solving the problem like adults. Well, you know how thin the walls were in that apartment. In the middle of the night, I woke up to the sound of a loud snap. It could have been only one thing. I felt a moment of triumph. Got you, you bastard, I thought. But then I thought about having to clean up that huge, oily rat corpse. I thought about the clang it would make when I tossed it into the garbage can. I thought about how much blood a rat of that size must have. We'd just splurged on a new mop head too, now we'd have to replace it again or else whenever we mopped we'd just be covering the floor in rat hepatitis. <sighs> so I just rolled over in bed, thinking that if I slept in, then maybe my roommate would have everything taken care of by the morning. But as you can imagine, that's not exactly what happened. I awoke three hours early, at 8am, to the sound of my roommate screaming my name. I jumped up and threw on a dressing gown. I was still rubbing sleep from my eyes when I stepped into the kitchen. God, there was a lot of blood. But there was no dead rat. One of the traps by the stove had triggered, but for whatever reason it hadn't crushed the rat's head. It made no sense at first. The trap had definitely worked. There were scraps of rat fur smeared with dried blood clamped between the teeth. We had to physically open the trap in order to properly make out what had happened. We were not prepared for what we found. Jesus Christ, said my roommate. The rat's arm was still in there. He had chewed it off in order to escape. Jesus Christ, I said. There was a trail of blood leading from the kitchen, under the door of my room. I hadn't noticed it in my haste. Oh, I said. The trail led under my bed, feeling... God, well, you can imagine how I felt. Feeling that way, I lifted up my bed frame. I used to store socks and underwear under my bed in sliding baskets. I don't do that anymore. The rat had crawled over my underwear, leaving a trail of blood and, I want to say bile, 
and then disappeared under an old, built-in shelf that my bed stood up against. On hands and knees, I squinted past the dust bunnies and old mothballs. In the gloom beneath the bottom shelf, a number of pale, old mothballs shone, and beyond them, yawned a hole in the wall. Maybe the rat will bleed to death in there, said my roommate. Well, that was better than the alternative, though I didn't find the thought of almost a kilogram of rat meat rotting in my bedroom walls very comforting. But I don't think either of us thought for a second it was true. Not this rat. Losing an arm was only going to make this rat meaner and stronger. I got dressed, obviously going commando, and I went down to the hardware store for some steel wool. I packed the hole shut, and then packed the hole shut some more. What are we going to do? said my roommate. We have to call an exterminator. I can't afford an exterminator, she said, which means you definitely can't. Fuck you, I said. But you're not wrong. Maybe the landlady will do something about it. My roommate just laughed at that. I did feel like a bit of an idiot for even bringing it up. Obviously, Janet wouldn't do anything. If Janet had been the kind of landlord who did things other than raise the rent by 40% over five years, we wouldn't be in this mess right now. Then what do we do? I said. She thought for a moment. I'll put out the call, she said. I didn't know what that meant, but it gave me a real bad feeling. It turned out that feeling was right, because the next morning she told me, I reached out to Barb. Uh-oh, I said. Barb was my roommate's aunt. She was from the country, but had crashed on our couch for almost a month a year before because she had fallen asleep with a lit cigarette in her mouth and burned down half the bungalow she shared with a person named Dozy, whose whole deal was mysterious. Now Barb, in my mind, sucked. That was the main thing about Barb. But as I thought about things in this new context, I realized that just maybe this was the kind of scenario where Barb would come into her own. My roommate seemed to have reached the same conclusion. She was wearing the kind of look that said, I take no joy in this, but this is how it's got to be. She's coming in this evening, she said. She's going to bring her buddy's dog. She says it's a ratter. I grunted. It wasn't the first time that Barb had brought a strange dog into the apartment. I was willing to bet hard dollars it wouldn't be the last time either. But any time Barb was involved, the best case scenario was already out of the question. Now there was nothing for it but to grit our teeth and hope for the tolerable. I said... So be it. When I got home that evening, a shrill howl almost made my eardrums bleed as I came through the front door. Before I could react, a little furry white Hitler was bounding up and down in front of me, barking and howling. A Jack Russell Terrier. God, how I hate Jack Russell Terriers. He's all right, someone bawled. Hi, Barb, I said. Barb had taken over the entire couch as well as one of the chairs I was drinking a mason jar of Pinot Grigio. Her shoes were extremely off, and her feet, which were both, for some reason, soaking wet, were up on the coffee table. This is Yankee, she said. He's my buddy Hal's dog. He runs a girl off, but the rats are always getting in there and eating all the bud, and then that's a fucking issue, because you got no bud and you got a bunch of fucked up rats skitting around everywhere. I nodded at the wisdom of this assessment. Uh, that's where Yankee comes and He's the best fucking ratter you'll ever see. Fucking loves it. You want to know how good he is? He's so good that Hal got banned from the fucking zoo. Because Yankee got into the, what you call it, a capybara enclosure. Fucking killed three of them, the big fuckers, just because they're a distant cousin of rats. That city boy is what we're looking at here. Obviously, I didn't know how to respond to any of that. 
But Barb saved me the trouble by yelling at me to take a load off and have some Pinot Gris. Ever the philanthropist, she had brought her own eight-liter box of Moldova's finest vintage. And so the three of us sat down to drink. And drink. As the evening wore on, Barb started giving Yankee sips. Look at him, she bawled. He loves the stuff. Got a Dutch courage in your Dutch. Got into the fighting spirits. By the time I dragged myself to bed, Yankee was lapping it up out of an ashtray. This is good, Barb was saying. A drink makes him mean. Look at this scar. He gave me this the time we fed a mudsliders. Jesus, I heard my roommate say. Goes halfway up your leg. Did I forget to mention, this was a Tuesday night. All right, get your beauty rest, you sissy. Barb shouted after me. When you get up, you'll have a dead rot waiting for you. Just like Christmas morning, I muttered. But at that moment, filled with the optimism of Eastern European grapes, I truly thought that everything was going to work out for the best. That wiry little dog had a look that I mostly associated with MMA fighters and debilitating crack addicts. He was mean. He was bitey. He was all fucked up on post-Soviet wine. Yankee, I thought, closing the door to my room. Yankee's gonna make it all okay. But when I turned on the light and took off my socks, something caught my eye. There were some dark pellets on the floor, with bits of silver winking in them. No way. I leaned down and lifted up the mattress. More pellets led under my bed, down among all those mothballs. The hole was open again. Holy shit. Steel wool was supposed to stop rats. It was supposed to cut up their mouths. This rat had chewed it up and shed it right out. That night, I was woken by a low sound. For a few moments, I blinked in the darkness, disoriented. Then the sound sharpened. It was coming from just the other side of the wall I shared with the living room. It was Yankee the Terrier, growling. I crossed my fingers and murmured a prayer. It had begun. The growl pitched up into a bark, and Yankee hit the floor, claws skittering on the laminate. Barb, who was crashing on the couch, groaned, and I heard her mutter the words, Shut up, Yankee, I'm hungover. Then there was a crash, a thrashing sound, and I heard Barb say, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, did you look at the size of him? Get him, Yankee! I lay in my bed, staring at the ceiling. Thuds, yelps, and growls echoed through the apartment. Part of me wanted to get up and watch. Part of me didn't want to be anywhere near it. There was a wet sound, and then a slow sliding followed by a huge crash as a cabinet overbalanced and fell, shattering all the dishes inside. Snaps, hisses, growls, shrieks, yelps. A gasp from Barb. It was a fight. It was the full 15 rounds. It was a Lee vs. Frazier out there. There came a final, tumbling crash and the sound of heavy breathing. Then, silence descended. Turning on the light, I put on jeans and a pair of steel-toe boots, taking a moment to prepare myself for... for whatever was beyond my door, I turned the knob. The living room was a shambles, blood and broken plates everywhere, all among the crumpled carpets and scratched-up floor. My roommate was standing in the kitchen with a cat in her arms, a pale, shocked expression on her face. Over on the couch, Barb sat with the blanket drawn up to her chin. I'd never seen Barb like that before. Barb was a cockroach. Barb was indestructible. But now there was a look on her face that was 
sad, scared, and vulnerable. In the middle of the floor, the combatants lay tangled in each other's limbs. Holy God, I'll never forget it. Even one-handed, the rat had battled like none other. It was still twitching, with its eyes fluttering, though Yankee's teeth and claws had made a mess of its guts, and the rat's huge, exposed lungs were no longer inflating. But Yankee looked just as bad. Both of the dog's eyes had been bitten out, and the tongue lolled, black and distended from the jaw. A thick, scaly tail was wrapped around its arched neck. The rat had choked him to death. We three human survivors stayed like that for a long time, not knowing what to do. The silence was broken by a wet sound. Something gave way inside the rat's guts. With a splattering clatter, several objects tumbled from its ruptured belly and rolled across the floor. Though pink and glistening with viscera, the objects were round and white. They looked like so many mothballs. Like my friend said, one mouse means one mouse. But one rat means you've got a whole colony. I stumbled back into my room and lifted up the mattress. There were no longer any mothballs under the shelf. Only the cracked and broken shells of... <laughs> Even now, I don't like to admit it to myself. But there's no sense in hiding from it. Of the rats hatched eggs. No, that's not right. Because rats don't lay eggs, do they? I guess there's no other choice but to go on without a word for what it was. I guess I have to say, the eggs of... of whatever it was. Well, you can imagine we didn't stay in that apartment much longer. Couldn't afford to stay in the city, so now we're way out in the burbs. I have to take the train an hour and a half each way. <sighs> Damn. I wish I still lived downtown. Anything can happen downtown. The Wrong Station is made possible by the generous support of our listeners on Patreon. Consider visiting today at patreon.com slash thewrongstation. You can also support us by leaving a rating and review on iTunes, or wherever it is that you listen to The Wrong Station. This week's episode, The Rat Story, was written by Alexander Saxton and performed by Anthony Botello. The Wrong Station is co-produced by Alexander Saxton, Anthony Botello, and Jacob Duarte Spiel, with music composed and performed on the piano by Ilan Citrin, and arranged for the viola and performed by Ilana Schmid. You can subscribe to The Wrong Station on iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, and any other of your favorite podcast services. You can follow The Wrong Station on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and email us at thewrongstation at gmail.com. You can also follow The Wrong Station creative team on Twitter at AEW Saxton, AJV Botello, and Jacob BRDS. And until next time, thank you for listening.